0: change your thinking, you change your life. Um, that's what we're learning together. We are learning that the real battle is up here, it's in our mind. And we want to put ourselves in a place where God's truth can really influence our minds. But we tend to get it in the way. So are there any control freaks out there? I'm sure nobody would readily admit that, so let me give you a test. To see whether or not you're a control freak, take a piece of paper and write yes or no to each one of these questions. Question one, can you control whether or not your kid throws a fit in the grocery store? Yes or no. Number two, can you control whether or not your boss assigns a major project to you? Yes or no. Number three, can you control whether or not there are stupid drivers on the interstate? Yes or no? Question four, can you control how slow the clerk is at Walmart? Number five, can you control whether or not your kids get sick just before you and your spouse go out on a date? Number six, can you control the weather? Number seven, can you control the impact of COVID-19? Number eight, can you control whether an employee calls in sick on the busiest day of the year? Can you control if your car breaks down in the middle of your vacation? So if you answered yes to any of the questions above, you just might be a control freak. We somehow imagine that we're in control, but a truly honest look proves the exact opposite. Why do we attempt to exercise control? Well, Part of it is we think, if I can just control my situation, then I can make sure the right things are happening, then I can be happy and life will be good reality, you and I have such limited control over situations, but we find ourselves just being miserable trying. So today, through the power of God's word, since the battle is in our minds, I want us to learn a new pathway to travel. So we're in a message series called Mastermind. Change your thinking, you change your life. And we're looking at the mind and the teaching of the Apostle Paul. So what do we know about the mind? We know that our thoughts are incredibly powerful, that there's often a war going on, and the war is won or lost in our mind. And we learned last week If you don't change the way you think, you you can't change the way you live. You can't change what you do. Our thoughts really matter. So here's the key for today. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. So as we've been talking about the power of the brain and how amazing the design God made of the brain, we realize that often... Something gets in the way, and that something is you. It's me. It's us. We have these filters through which we view and interpret our world. Some of those filters are good. Many of them tend to be faulty, but they all cause us to see the world differently than someone else near us. For example, our family loves to play games together. Card games, board games, but one game we do not play is Boggle. Anybody familiar with the game Boggle? My wife loves it, and it's my worst nightmare. For me, it's like homework. It's like I'm transported back to those spelling tests in fourth grade. I was a terrible speller. That's why I love spell check on word. Isn't it crazy how two people can have almost the opposite reaction to the same thing? This is what psychology calls a cognitive bias. We could also call it a mental filter or a mental framework. Very simple definition would be this. It's a mistake in reasoning based on personal preference, past experience, or belief. When we have a cognitive bias, we've got this mental filter or framework that's not necessarily accurate. We can see some things as way better than they are and some things as worse than they are. Our wrong thought processes or wrong beliefs can cause us to make mistakes or errors in judgment as we make decisions. And we all have them. But what happens to us? Well, if we have a wrong framework or a wrong mental filter, it it kind of colors the world, distorts the world that we see. And because of personal beliefs that may not be true, Uh, We're biased in a direction, and that can cause all sorts of issues in our lives. That's why different people respond in different ways to the exact same situation. It's not the facts that are different. What is it? It's the filter that's different. It's not the facts that are different. It's the filter. So today, let's learn about reframing. Um, Reframing is simply changing the way we look at something by changing that filter. But the only way we can change, we can have the power to change that filter is through the Spirit of God who works within us. And the only way God's Spirit is working in us is if we've accepted Jesus as His Savior. But with His Spirit living in us, we can change. We can choose to allow God and His truth to be the filter through which we view um, life. This change does become more difficult the longer our minds have focused on the negative and the lies. But it's not impossible in fact with the help of God and the power of God and the power of the truth we can do this but we got to be intentional right we have to put ourselves in the hand of God but God's power can transform anyone but for many God wants us to allow others to help us because of our own past struggles and experiences and traumas or maybe even abuse that you have in your life Some of those others are Christian professionals who can guide you and guide me. I appreciate Peter and others who've helped me as counselors. And I want to encourage you to be willing to allow others to help you. So again, here's today's key. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. So I want to encourage you to turn to Philippians. This is the letter, the writing of the Apostle Paul we talked about last week. Philippians chapter 1 turned there and I want us to study this together because I think if there was anyone who was great at reframing it was the Apostle Paul. In fact if you know anything about his story he had a very strategic plan a direction that he knew God wanted him to take. He knew God wanted him to go to Rome to preach the gospel. His thought process was this if I can go to Rome If I can preach the gospel, if I can reach the leaders of Rome, which is the center of the known world, from there we can spread the gospel all over the world. Now Paul did go to Rome. He just didn't get to go to Rome as a preacher. He went to Rome as a prisoner. He went to Rome chained as a prisoner. He spent years in prison while he was there. This was not a part of his plan, to be in prison, awaiting sentencing, I mean, even possible execution. What Paul wanted did not happen. What he wanted was not what took place. Now, for some of you, this is where you are right now. You thought to yourself, you know, if I could just get that degree, then I'll get that job, and you got the degree, but the job you now have is in a completely different field and you're like, God, what happened here? Where, where are you? Or Maybe you thought, I am going to marry my sweetheart. It's going to be amazing. And you married your sweetheart. But somewhere along the line, it went bad. You're like, God, where are you? Or you wake up at such a, such an age and you had thought previously, well, by this age, I'm going to be here and I'm going to be doing this or that. But instead, you're here, and I'm doing this. And God, I don't understand it. Or you thought 2020 was going to be the greatest year of your life. And then COVID-19 hit, and you're stuck here. and This is not what I want to be doing. God, I just don't get this. I mean, this is where the Apostle Paul was. I wanted to preach the gospel, but I'm a prisoner what's crucial for us to see from Paul is his ability to take what all of us would say was a terrible situation and reframe it and see God working. Now, let me read for you what Paul could have said. He didn't say this, but he could have said this. So this is Philippians 1 verses 12 to 13 in the NWV, the New Winers version of the Bible. Here's what he could have said. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me really stinks. And as a result of this nightmare that I've been through, I'm quitting our small group and I'm never going back to church again. Now, for those of you who are new to church, there is no such thing as an NWV. Here's what Paul actually said. Philippians 1, 12 through 14. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Now as Paul writes this, these pins these words they convey a deep spiritual connection. He uses that phrase, brothers and sisters, verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that phrase demonstrates his great affection for them, his true love for them. Even though they've totally misinterpreted his imprisonment as something that this is bad and this is horrible, Paul still loved them. But he goes on in verse 12. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. What has happened to me? Now we know the what, right? Paul was put in prison. What we don't know, according to what he wrote here, is the why. We know the punishment, we just don't know the crime for which he was in prison. But the point is very clear. Paul couldn't control what happened to him, but he could choose to see it through the filter or through the frame of a God who is always working. So what's Paul's view? Far from hurting the gospel's cause, Paul's restraints, his chains, right, actually helped it. Far from slowing it down, his imprisonment, really advance the gospel. And that word advance is a cool picture. It, it, it gives the idea of pioneers cutting away before an army so as to further its march in advancement. See, what everybody else thought was bad, oh, it looks like I'm their prisoner. Paul says, hey, I got strategic Roman soldiers who are influential in leadership. They're locked up to me. And I get a new one every eight hours chained up to me. Who is the real prisoner here? As a result, he says, it's become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else. What? That I'm in chains for Christ. You can't control what happens to you. But you can control how you frame it. I want you to know, Paul says, what happened really started to advance the gospel in this area. But there was another great benefit of his being chained up. Verse 14, And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul isn't suggesting that his fellow Christians had lacked courage or had somehow failed in telling others about Jesus Christ. In fact, his use of that phrase, all the more, it merely indicates that their courage and their efforts, while continuing, were now heightened to a much greater degree. So here's Paul. He says, what's happened to me? A lot of people say that is bad, 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 because I wanted to go to Rome as a preacher, but I'm actually in Rome as a prisoner. When I look through God's frame, I see God is still working. God is still moving, my God is still active, and my God is still at work. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. I love this example from the life of Paul. I, I need this example from Paul because I, I really struggle to use the God frame and often see life through the Doug frame. Anyone else out there have that struggle? Hello? Are you listening? Do you need to go get another cup of coffee? Do you have that struggle? Of course you do. We all have that struggle because we all have these biases or these frames or these filters through which we view the world around us. So how do we live this out when our thoughts can often drift towards the negative or the critical or discouraging or the angry or the self-defeating how how do we learn to allow God's truth to change and transform our thinking? I want to really encourage you to listen as Brandy shares from her heart about her struggles, but more importantly, about how God's truth helped her reframe her thinking.
1: So this week as we're talking about not letting our past influence how we are and how we think and like mastering our minds and not letting our our poor experiences hold us captive, it's something that really um, hits home for me. I struggled really bad growing up um, with an anger problem. I was somebody who was just always on edge and could go from zero to 100 so fast. Now it doesn't mean like I was never happy. It's just that there was always just this edge of anger that was just ready to go off, a bomb ready to explode at any time. I can look back and I can see um, the things that made me so angry. Um, when I was really young, I was abused. And when I was 15, I watched my dad pass away from a massive heart attack. And you know, I'm sure that some of you can understand this, at a young age, whenever you have traumatic events happen, you're not really capable fully of handling the emotions behind those events. And for me, the emotion that came out the most was anger. Now I can also look back and see moments where the anger that I was allowing to control me wasn't controlling me as much. Um, When I was 17, I went on this wilderness spiritual trek in Colorado where we went um, rappelling and backpacking and whitewater rafting and we even did a 24 hour solo. And it was a great experience, but one of the things that I really pulled from that experience was the fact that every day we had to read from the book of Philippians. And we had a journal about our experiences and what we were going through. And I just, that was the first time that the word of God ever just like really took hold of me. As the week progressed though, that anger that I was experiencing started to lessen more and more. And um, by the end of it, I was, it was like it was hardly there anymore, and it wasn't able to control me anymore. And I went home, and I continued to read God's Word, and um, it was still reigned true that the anger wasn't my controlling me as much anymore, and it was something that I didn't really think too much about, you know, like most of us experience whenever we go to church camp or a conference, you get this, I like to call it church camp high and um, slowly it just fades away. And that's the same thing that happened with this experience. It just slowly faded away. And eventually I wasn't reading my Bible anymore. And I was controlled again by that anger. I shared a couple of years ago at the Thanksgiving dinner about a person who gave me a Bible that had um, a bunch of verses marked in it. This was another point where the anger that I was experiencing was lessened. And whenever I was reading in God's word and it affected the anger that I experienced, you know, there are different times in my life where I tried to figure out how to help that anger. And there are definitely things that may, other things, other factors that helped lessen what I was dealing with. But it was always something that I noticed whenever I was in God's word, I was able to control my anger better. I was able to have less episodes of just exploding and you know i remember a point where um i don't remember who it was but somebody was talking to me and we were talking about uh the fruits of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control and they were talking to me about it and they explained how you know those are fruits of the spirit of the holy spirit if we have the holy spirit in us then we have those fruits as well and we can use them and i remember thinking well I want to use those. I want to be able to feel joy. I want to be able to feel, be able to experience patience and not let the anger that I have in me control who I am. I don't like being the person that I am when that anger just explodes. It was something that was really powerful for me of taking hold of that, that verse and those fruits of the spirit and praying. I prayed constantly that verse of just God, let me have this. God, please let this shine through me. Holy spirit, take control and be this for me. and, you know, it really made a huge difference in my control of my anger and now years of practice and persistence and I fell so many times but got back up and um, my anger is nowhere near what it used to be. It doesn't control me anymore. I mean, there's moments where I still slip back because I'm not perfect and none of us are. And, but every day I get a little bit closer to having more patience. experiencing more joy and I just encourage you guys you know if you're dealing with something in your past the Word of God is a powerful tool we are told that it's a light to our path and it is something that can help guide us through dealing with the emotions of dealing with past traumas dealing with hurts and um, you know letting those things control us is not what God wants I just really encourage you guys You know, stop letting your past control who you are, and let Jesus be the one that is master of your mind.
0: Brandy, I I so appreciate your honesty and your transparency. So how do we stop letting the past control who we are and how we see ourselves? So I want to share with you three important guidelines, principles, that come from the truth and teaching of Paul. They're not complicated, they're pretty simple, but here they are. Number one, express gratitude. Express gratitude. Thank God for what didn't happen. I mean, let's face it, a lot of bad things happen to us in our lives. For example, last November, Patty and I were driving down I-44 when we had tire issues, and so we pull off at Rollo, we're pulling into a gas station. As we're pulling into the gas station, the front left tire went flying off of the Yukon, and it slammed to the ground. The tire rolled into some poor guy's nice new car and dented up the wheel well, but he wasn't in it, and we got to spend the night in Rolla. But you know what? There's a lot to be grateful for there. Something worse could have happened, like the tire flying off while we're driving down the interstate and hitting and hurting someone else, or having a wreck on the interstate, or even something worse happening to us. So we have to live through this crazy COVID-19 virus and 2020 has not been that great of a year. I didn't get to watch March Madness. Yes, I am still bitter about that one. I didn't get to go to California and see my kids and my grandkids. I don't like having to do all this recording of this stuff. This is frustrating. But in the face of our difficulty, express gratitude. Something far worse could have happened, and it didn't because of God's love. So we say, say thank you to God. Something happens in our lives when we choose to say thank you. When gratitude is a choice, it's a choice that transforms our hearts. It's really a part of the practice of last week. You know, Whatever is good and whatever is pure and whatever is lovely, think about such things. And this is not some Pollyanna approach to life because life is difficult. And for some of you, this has been a terrible season. But something that I can control is a heart of gratitude. God, thank you that I didn't lose my home. God, thank you that I've had so much more time with my God kids. God, thank you that I've learned new skills or new abilities. It's just saying, God, thank you. 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks, here it is, in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I cannot control my circumstances, but I can control how I frame it. Thank God for what didn't happen. So if you want to learn from Paul's thought process, number one, express gratitude, and number two, practice pre-framing. See, it's our thoughts, or frame, or filter right, that shape what we see in this world. And so when we face certain situations, we get stressed or frustrated or easily discouraged. That's just kind of our default way of looking at it. So in some circumstances, what I can do is choose the frame even before the event. Instead of getting there and letting my default filter or my default frame, which is often negative, letting it take over, causing me to interpret what otherwise might be positive as a negative, I want to pre-frame it with the right kind of frame. In other words, I'm choosing ahead of time how I'm going to see this. So previous to COVID-19, my family, we really enjoyed going to the free concerts on Wednesday evenings at the Botanical Gardens. We love doing that. My problem or my frame is that I would often get stressed, frustrated, you know, with the terrible traffic Are we going to find a good parking spot or have to walk forever? And what about all those other stupid drivers? Is there going to be road construction? I mean, there's this whole list of potential issues that come in my mind. And my bad attitude can ruin the evening for all of us. But I I started last year just trying to prepare my mind beforehand that when those negative patterns arise, I'm ready for them. So when I'm thinking clearly, I say, hey, Doug, There's going to be bad traffic. There's always stupid drivers. You may have to park further than you want. But you know what? Those things don't have to ruin the evening if you're willing to say, I'm going to choose what's important to me, which is spending time with my family, encouraging and loving them. So if my God will supply all your needs is true, then approach every situation knowing he will. If my God can work all things for the good of those who love him, then look at the situation trusting that somehow he will. So some of you, you need to pick a new frame. Stop believing the lie from the past. Stop letting it influence you. Reframe it, Preframe it. Before you go into the situation, tell yourself, my God is good. My God is with me. My God will help me no matter what. In other words, choose the frame ahead of time. You you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. So express gratitude. Choose the frame ahead of time. And I think most importantly, look for God's goodness. The bottom line of Paul's life was he knew he was doing what God wanted him to do. For Paul, it was to preach the gospel in places where people had never heard the name of Jesus Christ. But this sense of following the calling of God was paramount to his ability to reframe a situation. God has a calling on your life and my life and that calling is to live our lives as a light so that this world will know about Jesus and how much he loves them. And like Paul, we too are called to preach the gospel. But that looks very different in our lives than it would for Paul. But when you grasp that as a Christian, you have a purpose, and that purpose is to use your gifts and your abilities and your opportunities and your influence to be able to point people to Jesus. I mean, this greatly improves your ability to use the God filter rather than our default filter. And like Paul, the circumstances really were not what was important, because the circumstances are God's territory. My role, is to be faithful to the calling from God in my life. My territory is to be faithful. So often, we find what we're looking for. If you want to see bad, you'll find bad. If you want to see negative, you will find things to be negative about. If you want to be critical, you can pick apart any organization, any group, any person. If, If that's what you want to be, And if that's what you want to have as the determining factor of how you live your life, you can be like the vast majority of the world that lives critical, negative, bad relationship, tends to lean towards what's bad instead of leaning towards what is good. Or, on the other hand, you can choose to look for where God is working. And if you look for where God is working, you will see him. Working, you can choose to look for the good, and you know what'll happen—you're gonna see good. If you want to look for the good in people, I mean, you can find good in people, and your relationships will change, your attitude will change, your perspective will change, your your impact will change, all because you find—I find—what we're looking for. And this is reframing. It's interpreting our circumstances based on the truth of God's Word. And again, the challenge that came from Paul from last week, as Elliot and Journey read for us. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things.
1: Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you.
0: Philippians 4, 8, 9. Think about such things. Use the filter of God's truth and God's power to focus on what God said is most important. Now, I will not sit here and pretend that all of life is wonderful. There are terrible things that happen in this world, even right now. There is no doubt of that. Many of you have faced heartache and trouble, job loss, sickness, disease, trauma, tragedy. You've gone through divorce. You've been in pain. You've lost someone you love dearly. This approach is not pretending that bad things don't happen. This isn't saying that feeling down or discouraged or depressed is wrong. It's time to stop judging our feelings. This is a spiritually conscious choice to change the filter through which we view all of these things. See, a good counselor will challenge you to determine the meaning of what happens to you. How about one step better? Let Jesus help you determine the meaning of what is happening to you. Often the problem in our thinking is this, if I am predisposed to interpret bad things as bad, which most of us are, then I've just limited God's influence on me. But if you look for God, you will find Him. Where do we often make the mistake in our minds? Rather than trying to interpret God through your circumstances, bad happens, so God must be bad, interpret your circumstances through the goodness of God. Because even in the dark times, God is working. So let me say that again. Rather than trying to interpret God through your circumstances, interpret your circumstances through the goodness of Almighty God. This is where... We bring the truth that we've been learning and meditating upon and soaking up. And we keep that in the forefront of our minds and we use it as the filter and we allow it to influence our thinking. So what does that word say? Things like even on a bad day, God is still good and he is still involved. That doesn't change the bad day, but it does impact our thinking. What does God's truth say? That God still cares and he will never leave you or forsake you. What does God's truth say? That even in the dark times, we can still praise him because we know that no matter those circumstances, God is good. So we can say with Joe, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Or we can say with the prophet Habakkuk, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. This is how I want to live my life through the filter of God's goodness. But can I be honest with you? I'm not there yet. I mean, I'm working every day to allow God to to be the filter. Some days I succeed and other days I don't. But you know what? I need this encouragement. I need this kind of challenge. I need to say, Doug, you cannot control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. And you and I can renew our minds through the truth. Use the truth of God to impact and to influence you. Never let it go. Read it. Meditate on it. Memorize it. Soak it in. Let the truth of God impact you. So, Father, help us renew our minds with your truth. Or to all those who are listening, I mean, they're like me. We want to live our lives better in the light of your love and presence. So God, please give us a better filter. Give us a better frame through which to see the world around us. God, give us your filter. God, I pray that according to your word, that we would not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but we would be transformed, God, by the renewing of our minds. And we thank you, God, that the weapons we fight with, they're not the weapons of this world, but they have divine power to crush To vanquish, to demolish the strongholds, the wrong patterns of thinking. And so, God, help us to restructure our thoughts. God, not just to choose the meaning, but to help let Jesus choose and define the meaning of what happens to us. God, We ask you to empower us to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. God, we praise you for who you are and what you're doing, even, Lord, in the darkest moments of our life. So, Lord, help us to reframe and refocus so that we can see who we are in Jesus Christ. God, speak into our hearts and lives today. Change us. We love you, Father. We need you. In your most precious name we pray. Amen.